You ever stop to wonder how the pizza shop owner mastered the smartphone quicker than the pharmacist? And with 80 to 85% of your customers carrying a smartphone, they're demanding that you be there anywhere, anytime. In this episode, my guest Heath Tully from Sigma and I talk about how pharmacy can expand its personalised service beyond the four walls of the pharmacy. Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day listeners and welcome back to Transformation, the only dedicated podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, the motivated pharmacy owner, all that you need to build your smarter, more successful 21st century business before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours, and we're into episode 40, the big four zero. I just cannot believe how far we have come this year. It's fantastic. I just wanted to uh, touch on our intro today, and I know that a lot of you may be thinking, fair go, we're, we're doing all right, we're not worse than the pizza shop, surely I've got these independent pizza shops, they're not very tech savvy. Well, okay, fair game, I was touching on Domino's, and they are kicking our virtual asses on the smartphone at the moment. If you can personalize a pizza experience and build the pizza, watch it in the oven, pick it up, know when to come in and pick it up, If they can do that, I think we can do very much similar. And we need to because our customers are wanting more personalized experiences. They get it from banking. They get it from travel. And that's what we're going to talk about today uh, with Heath Tully from Sigma as to why that's so important. And with 80 to 85% of all of your customers walking around with smartphones, it's a great opportunity for us to be taking advantage of. But well before we get stuck into that, I've got a winner of our best question from last week's episode with Jonathan Layton to announce. And if you'd like to have a look at the best question, and it comes from Luke in New South Wales, so congratulations Luke. And Jonathan's answered your question at robertstar.com forward slash episode 39. You can check that out. And Luke, you'll win a fantastic prize of a personally signed copy of Transformation. Well, in actual fact, I know for a fact that you you already have a copy, so I've got a surprise for you, which I'll mention in a second. You'll get a $100 credit towards your first Pharmacy Freedom Index Review and Assessment session. But because you're already a proud owner of Transformation, I'm pleased to offer and make an announcement to our Transformation community that you're going to be the very first person to receive a copy of the Transformation audio book. And that's going to come out in the first quarter of 2015. So congratulations, Luke. And if you would like to be right behind Luke and be able to insert transformation into your earbuds, more so than listening to the podcast every week, which I love you for doing that. And you can click on the link in the show notes and you'll be able to pre-order your copy today. So I've made that available as well. And that's really exciting. Our guest today, Heath Tully, in typical transformation tradition, has kindly offered to respond to your questions this week via either multi-channel retail or e-commerce when you write them in the discussion box under the show notes at robertstar.com 
forward slash episode 40. And there'll be another sensational surprise prize, which I did say last week. And I think I'll just keep you in suspense because I've got some goodies and uh, I don't want to give them all away just yet. So I'll uh, wait out for the best question. If there's an absolutely sensational one that Heath just can't stop talking about, uh, look out. There may be something very special coming up. But before we get on to that, uh, our listener feedback question this week came from Paul, and that also was after episode 39. And he just had a suggestion that he's using a great scheduling software called VCITA, V-C-I-T-A, and he's really, really happy with how it's working for him and his clients. And uh, thank you for your recommendation, Paul. I really appreciate it and for taking the time to share that with the rest of our transformation community. Um, So on first pass, I had a good look at this and it looks like it's going to be able to provide live chat, which is quite similar to Zopim, uh, which we spoke about on last week's show, but also adds the added benefit of having profile creation for your patients on the pharmacy website. So the great application there is that we always love meeting Mr. and Mrs. Jones when they come into the pharmacy, and how special would it be if they went to our website and we were able to do exactly the same thing? So I might even trial that right here on robertstar.com in the not-too-distant future and let you all know how that goes. Uh, But also, if anyone's keen to try it earlier, I know it's a very busy Christmas period, so I don't expect you to, uh, but even over the summer break, um, it's at vcita.com. I'll put the link in the show notes and let me know your thoughts and feedback as to whether it's been useful. Um, Also very keen to know, uh, SpeakPipe, which was one of the uh, really quick apps that you could add on your website, which will help you out with uh, non-urgent customer inquiries before Christmas. Um, if you've got ha- had to have a look at that on robertstar.com and please send me a voicemail and I'd love to feature that on the show. I know that I love and I personally do love reading out the questions, but I know that I'd love to have your voice on the transformation show and that we're really having a great conversation just like your typical radio shows, which I know would work really, really well. So before we get stuck into our interview this week, we've got our Pharmacy Freedom Index Insight. And I've been speaking to a number of pharmacy owners in the last few weeks, and I had that many inquiries that I just had to do a blog post. It's something that's quite rare for me. I know most of my stuff is podcast-based. But there were just so many of the same question of what resources do I need to look at to get started with this? And what we're talking about here is hiring your first first virtual pharmacy assistant. Now you might think virtual pharmacy assistant, now does he mean I'm actually taking one of my girls from the pharmacy, sending her home and she's gonna sit on the computer? Well, look, possibly that may actually work, um, but there are some e-commerce pharmacy sites doing this already where the, the pharmacy assistants are manning the live chat, but I'm actually not talking about pharmacy specific activities. I'm talking about things that are of low value to you. So we talk a lot about in our dispensaries of uh, only focusing pharmacist time on high value activity, which is customer interaction and being customer centric and keeping you away from labeling boxes, putting away stock. So that all you're doing is looking after patients the majority of the time. And that's what the patients want at the end of the day. But the same thing applies to a lot of other hats that we wear in our business. And that could be mail related, it could be email related, calendar related, a whole range of things. And I've actually got some great resources for you to dip your toes into what that can really mean because I'm actually doing this all myself at the moment. I'm actually looking at how I can work on high value things for you guys and less administrative things in the background. And that may include 
emails and not not answering the emails but just obviously feed weeding out all the junk mail and some of the newsletters that you often get that uh it takes your time to file them away and uh that's time that you could be better spending on other things that you might want to do so whilst i'm working through this myself i've got some great resources to share with you and in typical transformation tradition we'll go through the four-step method of transformation so step one, education. The best resource I can point you through to is Virtual Freedom, which is written by the outstanding authority on the topic, Chris Ducker. I could send you a heap of articles, but they would all point you back to him. He is the foremost expert on this. And having worked with Chris personally earlier this year, I've got about 40 copies of his book. Don't ask me how I got hold of them. I just do. And I'm happy to... Um, Get those on to you guys. In fact, Luke, a special treat for you. I'm going to throw one in with yours, and I might even do it for next week's show as well. For the bargain price of $1.99, you can't even buy a coffee for $1.99. So that's just to cover postage and other things, um, and um, yeah, I'll get that out to you, and you can get started. Uh, step two, discovery. So I highly recommend doing an exercise called, called Chris's Three Lists of Freedom. He made me do this, and I, we couldn't actually work any further without me doing this. It just really helps you to list things that you currently do, things that you don't want to do, and things that you shouldn't do. Um, and it really helps you to zero in as to what your possibilities are. But also, there's a fantastic document he's given me access to provide to you guys called the 101 Tasks that you can outsource, uh, which will just give you some ideas is to find what's relevant to you. Step three, partnership. I highly recommend you engage Virtual Star Finder when you're ready. Uh, they're a great service. I'm working with them at the moment and they're working with me and uh, I'm finding the experience absolutely first rate and uh, they're helping me to no end to really find that right job description for the right role for the right virtual assistant. And that could be either locally, uh, could be interstate, it may also be overseas as well. There's no, and there's no limit to where you can go with that to find a global network of experts. And really, there's never been a better time to get involved in this with the tools that I'm about to talk to you about because it's so much easier. Big businesses, big groups have been using these tools and outsourcing and outtasking for years to focus their best people on the best activities they can be doing and not having them doing low-value activities. And that can include things like data entry and so forth as well. So what I'd recommend you do if you want to go it alone and you don't want to use Virtual Staff Honor, I'd also recommend even if you do use Virtual Staff Honor to join a community called the Virtual Freedom Alliance. It's free. Chris moderates it himself. Um, and also he'll give you access to his how-to set of videos, which are free, uh, which will help you to plan out your implementation if you want to do it on your own. But you can dip your toes in um, through some outsourcing sites that I'd recommend, which are some freelancer communities and over 3 million um, experts across the globe with varying skills are now available to you as well. And before I talk about those communities, it's really important you realize that you're not ripping anyone off by getting someone to do a job for you for $5 or $8 or $9. As Chris talks about in his book, the value for money and the cost of living in the Philippines where he's based is so much lower than Australia or anywhere else in the world that if you pay someone $10,000 as an annual salary, it's almost giving them the ability to buy a house, which is far removed from what our expectations are over here. So if you put that in, in the same ratio over here, it's a pretty good salary. 
Um, I'll dip your toes into two communities called Odesk and Elance, and I'll put all the links for this in the show notes. So don't lose your dog or have to put your phone down or t- pause it to get through. I'll put all the notes there for you so that you can get hold of those later. Um, but also, just for a bit of fun, I'd recommend you just have a look at a site called Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R, and uh, I'll put the link again in the show notes, where you can get a million different things done for $5 US, which is like a large latte from a cafe. It's it's really nothing. And um, it's lower quality and it's variable quality. So it's not low quality. There are some great things as I'll share with you one of my examples in a moment. But you might even want to just spruce up your logo for Christmas and put it on your Facebook site. So as per the Today Show in Australia, where they have their logo in the bottom right-hand corner of the TV with a Santa hat, you could very much do the same for $5. So the examples I wanted to share with you, and while we're talking about Fiverr, I'll mention that. I had an explainer video done for my transformation program because I find it's a very common conversation of how I help pharmacy owners in their pharmacies. So on Fiverr, I just thought, well, look, I'm going to have a little bit of fun with it and I'll do one myself. And what they've come up with is quite sensational. It's not the highest quality, but I'd certainly love to know whether you get the message and whether it's something that, you know, you could see that it actually been value for money. Being Fiverr, it's, you know, a touch over $5. It wasn't the typical gig of $5. It's a little bit more than that. Um, but not much more and uh, certainly a lot a lot less than if I went somewhere locally here to get it done. But have a look at it and I'd love to know your thoughts. But the other one which is really related to this show is I had Mike from Newcastle and um, Mike gave me feedback that I got from a lot of listeners this year about episode 26, which of course was Andrew Hall from Minfos and how poor the sound quality was and what I could do to help it. And as I mentioned to Mike, I'd had my Australian sound engineer had a look at this many, many times, and we just were unable to shift the quality. But I thought, well, in the flavor of this week, and we're talking about virtual pharmacy assistants, I thought, I'm going to have a go at this, and I'm going to have a go via Elance, which is one of those freelancer communities. So I posted a job very similar to how we'd post any recruitment job. And within 24 hours, I had 18 applicants, all audio engineered, and I just basically made it very easy for the first one who could take my file, send me back a sample with the uh, improved quality to the level that we're accustomed to on this show, they would win the contest. But guess what? The contest was $20, $20, and it was perfect. So head across to robertstar.com. I'll put the link in the show notes there. Check out episode 26. It's unbelievable how different it is, and it just changes the paradigm of what we can do in 2014 and surely, certainly 2015 as well. So have a look at that. And uh, for optimization, the fourth step, we better not miss, miss that. As your confidence in utilizing virtual staff grows, Virtual Staff Finder can help you identify full-time or role-based virtual assistants to help with your business. Um, and also revisiting Virtual Freedom as a book is a great reference guide to plan your next move. So let me know what you think in the show notes and also in the comments. And um, if you're having any... any uh, goes at this yourself, let me know what you do. Um, I'd love to know what was relevant for you and how you got a, how you got benefit. But of course, as if you want the Pharmacy Freedom Index, as was the feedback that I got from a lot of owners, and that's why I put together this little segment for you, head across to pharmacyfreedomindex.com, take the test. If you ha- You'll have a downloadable report for your pharmacy highlighting the rating in nine critical areas, 
in under seven minutes. You'll get the transformation ebook and access to the workbook and the community to kickstart your journey. And of course, hit the book in for a consult button straight after so that we can have an action-packed 90-minute session to map out how you can tackle the biggest opportunities for you and make 2015 the year for you and a year of growth in your pharmacy. And I look forward to visiting you and maximizing your success. Our interview today is with Heath Tully. He's the e-commerce marketing manager for Sigma who aims to bring online and in-store shopping experiences together for all Sigma brands, which include Amcal and Guardian. Heath Tully, welcome to The Transformation Show. Thanks, Rob. Good to be here. Oh, look, great to have you on. And again, a lot of our listeners are very keen as to, I guess, where the digital age of pharmacy is going and how far we can take it. And I guess what, what, what we're trying to look at in terms of transforming our stores into these hybrid physical and digital environments. So I'm hoping we're going to spoil them today and uh, give them some great insights. Well, that's the aim, and uh, I think there's a really big opportunity in pharmacy um, that has been embraced in other industries, and um, yeah, so I, I see a big um, sort of groundswell of change happening in, in the uh, near future of uh, technologies embraced in pharmacy. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And Heath, as I often do, I like to ask, ask my guests, how did you get involved in pharmacy, and I guess where are you seeing, I guess, the biggest opportunities for this digital space in pharmacy and where it could be going? Yeah, sure. So my uh, experience in pharmacy is relatively short, actually. My background is in other industries, so automotive and entertainment. And so I joined Sigma in uh, mid-2014, mid this year. And the main reason I was interested in joining this particular industry is that I, I see it's it's kind of due for a big shake-up. So other industries have really embraced technology and seen the industry grow and change and I, I really feel that pharmacy is is ripe for that change as well and is overdue for that change. And it's such an important industry for Australia that uh, I, I really want to be... I was very interested in being part of that change as it was happening. Yeah, look, absolutely. And I think as we look around ourselves every time we go out every day, it's, it's upon us whether you like it or not. Uh, you know, the banking industry has gone through a massive transformation. We've seen travel. We've seen even pizza um, now even labelling themselves as a technology company that sells pizza. So I guess I guess where, where do you where do you see pharmacy, you know, taking taking on board that step? And I guess what would be the, the first thing you'd be looking at solving as far as, you know, getting that uh, pharmacy problem into the digital space. Yeah, I think I think the the benefit or well, one of the big benefits of technology is is allowing pharmacies and also online, but in store as well, um, to personalise the shopping experience. So at the moment, everyone is experiencing pharmacy in in pretty much the same way. And I think you've seen some examples, you know, for example, ERX Express or, or MedAdvisor that utilise technology to help. Uh, enhance the shopping experience, enhance the customer experience. So I, I think um, my, my pr- primary, or the, the primary benefit I see from from technology is allowing pharmacies to um, personalise and improve the uh, individual shopping experience. 
Yeah, look, absolutely. And as it is in the physical environment, when we've got uh, Mrs. Jones or Mr. Jones come into the pharmacy, they expect uh, the pharmacist to know all about their family and their medical conditions and so forth. And I guess when you enter the front door of a pharmacy's digital environment, you'd be expecting nothing less than that. And uh, I guess the challenge is about uh, allowing getting the technology and obviously the data into a in a nice format where it can recognise each customer and um, do that. So uh, could you tell our listeners a little bit about the challenges that you're seeing in uh, replicating our in-store experience online? Yeah, well, I guess I guess part of it is you know there are obviously some regulations around the types of advice we can we can provide online. So um, one of the things that we're looking at is is live chat, where we can have more of a, a one-to-one experience uh, as opposed to just providing generic health information, which you know it has its benefit, but maybe uh, it's not tailored to the individual who needs who needs the assistance. So. There, yeah, there are definite challenges uh, taking the in-store experience, which is, you know, the primarily around that health advice and, and translating it online and trying to make it useful to uh, to the visitor, while um, you know not not overstepping our um, regulatory um, requirements. Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And and you know, looking around the different pharmacy sites that are out there at the moment, and that includes the ones that you're you're responsible for with Amcal and, and Guardian, there seems to be a much larger f- product focus um, as opposed to all the other things that we're seeing as the, I guess, the bigger growth areas of pharmacy as it becomes to personalise health services in store. Um, is that something that, you know, is just traditionally where online retailers sat, which is quite product focus, but are you seeing that that can expand into, you know, providing a, a physical and digital hybrid of health service interactions? Yeah, I think in the, in the past, I guess it's been easier to justify um, using online as a place to sell product because you can see a financial uh, return as opposed to health information, which is a little bit harder to measure. But I think the direction uh, that needs to be taken is certainly to um, not create online sites that are simply e-commerce sites but are actually health information sites. You've got more and more people now going to going to Google or going to websites for health information than to their you know local healthcare professionals. So it's really important that um, certainly for for Amcal and Guardian, our, our a, a strong focus for us is on. Um, improving the health content we're providing to our customers online. Yeah, look, absolutely. And, and, you know, pharmacies cannot compete with Google and shouldn't be trying to in terms of providing everything and every anything as far as information. And as we've spoken a lot about on this show, it's, it's really about trying to filter that information. And, you know, again, as you touched on, there's no shortage of information available on Google for patients to get their hands on. But to personalise it, make it relevant for each customer and patient, patient, it's going to be a challenge for them. And that's where obviously pharmacy can play a a very big role in providing, I guess, trusted content or at least be able to filter um, what's out there. And so, hey, hey, for our listeners, and I guess pharmacists will be at different stages as well. Uh, Some that may be in banner groups may have already been given the opportunity to sell their product online through the banner groups online platform. But for those who may only have just started with a website, which we spoke about a few weeks ago, now, where would you see as, I guess, their first step when they're starting to consider, well, 
as I'm building my future-proof strategy for my pharmacy, it may include e-commerce, but where would you see the starting point? And I guess to make it um, relevant for our listeners as well, where, where was Sigma's starting point when they first started looking at this? Yeah, sure. So I guess Sigma had um, an informational website um, only until um, mid, mid-2013, which is when the e-commerce sites launched. So up until then, it was all, all of that information. There was no ability to buy online. So um, you know, putting up a page that provides some information about the, the pharmacy and the services provided in pharmacy um, and maybe some, some generic health content would be a good starting point. Setting up an e-commerce uh, engine is a little bit more work because you know, obviously there's the fulfillment side of things and you've got to manage uh, the money coming in and returns if returns are required. And um, I, But so putting up an information site would be a good first step and just see what sort of interaction you get. Maybe link it to a social media account, so set up a Facebook page so you can engage with your customers online. Uh, and then as a step two, look to towards e-commerce. But um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't start with, with e-commerce straight away. Yeah, look, obviously there's a multitude of processes as, as it is that you have in your pharmacy. And I think it's probably, when we look at it, a duplication of everything that we do in store that you'd have to do in a digital space unless, and it's very unlikely, you've got great integration between all of your POS systems um, and a digital platform, which is not really something that pharmacy has been very well uh, known for. But we have had list- we have had listeners that have said, oh, look, you know, there, there are these sites that are advertised their services that you can sell your stuff online. Are those types of uh, sites, and I think Shopify was one of those, are they appropriate for pharmacy or are they things that you know really would just serve as a, as a big distraction for most uh, pharmacy owners? Um, yeah, I guess Shopify is a good example. Uh, that, yeah, there's several platforms out there that I guess, uh, allow you to get into the e-commerce space um, more simply than if you were starting something from scratch yourself. So... I I guess it's down to the individual pharmacy whether they have the bandwidth. Most of these things always come down to to resource and do you have enough time to manage it sufficiently. There's it, it's not the kind of thing you can set and forget. Um, you know, every day there'll be customers placing inquiries, placing orders. Uh, so you, as long as you can keep on top of that and um, and manage it, then. Yeah, using a, using an engine like Shopify just to get started and see how you go for a, a relatively low investment is probably not a bad idea. Okay. And and I guess those things, as we've probably seen, are, are good places for retail products. But there, are there any particular challenges or, there, as far as you're aware, particular compliance issues around selling prescriptions through those sites? And, and is it allowed? Yeah, so it, it depends on how how the farm well, I guess the pharmacy would be in a in a reasonable situation to do that. There's so for for Amkel and Guardian, um, we're in a situation where we um, currently don't sell prescriptions online because we can't deliver them to the home um, of someone. We, it would have to be administered via a pharmacy. So at the moment, because of that regulation that it has to go through a pharmacy to be dispensed, we don't sell prescriptions online. Yeah. Uh, that may change in the future. But for individual pharmacies, maybe the uh, you know they have the ability to do that because they're set up as a pharmacist. So my recommendation would be obviously to check the regulations and make sure um, make sure that you can 
sell prescriptions and have them delivered. But my other recommendation would be, you know, maybe they can order online, but they have to pick it up in store, which gives you an opportunity to um, provide additional healthcare advice and maybe cross-sell to other relevant products at the same time. Yeah, look, absolutely. And I guess we're seeing that in a lot of other retail industries as well, where uh, they have been able to obviously do uh, delivery fulfillment, but also having the uh, on the in-store pickup as well, which I guess it's, it's probably a good example of how digital and physical can be married together very, very well. Um, so what process did Sigma go through in selecting... Um, an e-commerce platform and was it a difficult one was there were there lots of opportunities obviously you're looking at an enterprise level uh, but were there specific targets that you were looking at and you know were you able to you know meet those with the system that you chose yeah i guess you, you mentioned enterprise there are obviously when when you get to the enterprise level there's not as many uh, solutions. I think we, we came down to two different solutions that uh, fit most of the requirements. Um, one of the key requirements we had was that it needed to integrate with our loyalty program. So that's not a, a requirement that all platforms can handle, but also not a requirement that most individual pharmacists would need to consider. Um, so in terms of the platform that we chose, it's doing what it needs to do for us at the moment, performing really well. Um, so, yeah, we're really happy with it at the moment. It's, um, it integrates well with the existing systems that we have. and um, But again, it would be down to um, the individual pharmacists to decide what platform was appropriate to them. And I, I doubt an enterprise grade platform would would be appropriate no no and that's fine but look i think some of the some of the processes that we'll be looking at there and there may we do have owners that do have multiple stores on on uh listen to this show and they may be thinking well if i've got you know 10 stores it may be good to have one central site so when when um sigma decided to go forward with this and this may and you may have multiple stages i i don't know but um you're looking at a central fulfillment model in that all orders come to a central place and get sent out to customers from there or is the next phase perhaps to have every single pharmacy have their own um, individual fulfillment yeah, it's a good question. So cur- currently, uh, everything's fulfilled out of a central location. Um, yeah, in, in the future, it might be nice that we have multiple uh, fulfillment locations. Um, but for now, it's just out of the one, the one location in Melbourne. And um, so obviously, we're looking at ways to integrate online and in-store further. And one of those is click and collect. So that's, that's something we're, we're looking to roll out in the new year. Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And look, I guess it, it just, um, you know, provides different, um, I guess, different strategies moving forward. As we've seen, um, I think it's Chemmart have their, have their e-commerce set up that each individual store is actually where, creating their own warehouse in their own store and fulfilling and delivering all orders from the stores. Do, do you, did, you, did you look at that and, and I guess did the, did the members come back with any in, in feedback regarding whether they'd be interested in it or was it just looking at something that was probably too difficult in terms of integrating all the data from POS and getting stock levels updated and so forth? Yeah, that, that, the ChemMart model is a really unique one and I guess the fact that they're the only ones to do it that way show that it's a really difficult model um, to achieve successfully and I think the proliferation of different POS systems throughout our network makes it very difficult as well so they 
the preference and, and the decision was to go down a, a central path as opposed to having, I guess, individual e-commerce sites for for each pharmacy. Yeah, and and in terms of having, I guess, the central model, because as as we well know, our customers may visit us one day online, one day they'll walk in, or they may do both on the same day. So how do the stores get notified of when they've interacted online? Um, for example, they may decide to buy a blood pressure monitor online and have it sent to them, but then they turn up in the pharmacy with that uh, blood pressure monitor seeking assistance. Is there any uh, internal communication with the pharmacy to I guess make them aware that one of the one of their customers has bought something online um, it, it's difficult I guess because we don't necessarily have uh, each postcode designated to a pharmacy and um, so providing information for each pharmacy on which postcodes have had orders placed within them is difficult and then maybe you know is it billing address or a delivery address that you base it on, which might be completely different. So we don't share individual um, sales data with each with each pharmacy. I guess yeah. there's also privacy privacy reasons that uh, yeah. prevent us doing that. Um, but certainly we provide more general information uh, about the trends of what's buying, what's selling online and which also might be selling in store and um, where the growth areas are. And you know what search terms people are, are coming to the site from, and what search terms people are using when they're on the site. So, to try to give, I guess, a, a flavour of what's uh, what's selling, what people are interested in at any particular time online. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And I, I guess going from a central location, you're probably in a position to offer more more SKUs than are probably available in any one given pharmacy. Um, so have you gotten to the point where you've provided that endless aisle where you have all products that could come through Sigma or already in the warehouse are available online for customers to purchase? Yeah, the endless aisle concept is one that's really hot on, on the agenda uh, here and probably in all in all uh, our competitors as well um, so I, at, at the moment our, our range online is is in line with uh, the average size pharmacy uh, the plan is obviously to expand on that range um, and to, to start to create that end, endless aisle concept and you know we'd love to get to the stage one day where you know you can walk into a pharmacy and maybe the product's not available in the pharmacy but uh, it can be ordered uh, via, a, you know, a kiosk or an iPad uh, within the pharmacy via the online website and, and dropped off to the store for pickup. So we'd love to get to that stage, and, and um, I, I suspect all of our competitors would be uh, heading towards that as well. That endless aisle concept is really, um, you know, the big benefit for in-store um from having an online presence as well. Well, look, absolutely. And, and that's one of the biggest challenges for pharmacy owners at the moment, that with the rental rentals going up and space in store becoming such a premium and also the ability to not wanting to carry too much stock at any one given time and keeping stock that you may only turn over once every six or 12 months, it creates a new opportunity for Sigma to help um, Sigma customers out with by having the ability to retail these items without necessarily having to invest in the stock in the 
stores, which I, I, th- I think is fantastic uh, because, you know, there's, no, there's nothing worse than um, team members going around dusting off uh, products. Um, and obviously when customers pick those dusty products up, it doesn't look very good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's kind of the online is there to support the stores in, in that, yeah, no, no longer will you need to stock every single skew of every single product because it's online anyway and it can be the order can be placed online and um, you know it gives us the opportunity to also branch out into new areas that maybe pharmacies wouldn't typically stock products for because maybe they're too big or they're too expensive but you know there's no reason they couldn't be housed online and uh, and bought as and when required so yeah, and and how do how do the individual physical pharmacies benefit from that endless aisle? Is it if the order gets placed through the endless aisle in the pharmacy, and obviously that's something that you're implementing later. But are your thoughts around that in terms of being able to, I guess, profit share on those items, or does the pharmacy get the full uh, benefit of that sale? Yeah, that's all, all being determined at the moment. But certainly, in, you know, the aim is the pharmacy will will. Um, benefit from the sales and it won't be that uh, we're just using them as a delivery destination but that they're actually um, you know benefiting from the transaction as well and I guess benefiting from the increased footfall which then allows them to um, provide well they get more opportunities to uh, to upsell and cross sell to other products at the same time. Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of the products, you know, if, if you do turn to the self-service model, which a lot of customers do, you know, the averages are that they tend to select the wrong product more often than not and still need to go and visit a pharmacy to find out what is the best solution. So I, I don't think it's ever going to drive customers away from pharmacy uh, because that information still needs to be uh, be, be personalised for them. But uh, certainly I think that's, you know, as we're talking about, it's a great support. And I guess, Heath, we're starting to see more customers uh, walk around with smartphones. I think it's somewhere around 80, 85% of people in Australia now have smartphones. Um, what are you looking at in terms of uh, providing a, a mobile experience to pharmacy customers, um, both from an informational, from a service point of view, and also from uh, product sales? Yeah, so I guess from, from our point of view, mobile will be... Well, it's already important, but it will become more important in the next 12 to 18 months. So we're looking at, obviously, if anyone's gone to the Amcal or Guardian website at the moment, you'll you'll notice it's not optimised for mobile. So that's uh, something that we're looking at at the moment. And um, but certainly, uh, like my, my past experience with other um, companies is that mobile has primarily been used as a as a browsing tool so maybe not necessarily to make your final purchase but certainly um, to find the information out uh, about products and whether that's done in the home or in the store or while you're out having a coffee it's uh, it's really really important that, uh, that there's a mobile strategy in place and so that's something that we're working on at the moment and um, so yeah, optimizing the site's really important. And I guess, you know, whether or not you have an app as well to support uh, support the pharmacy, that's a question that uh, each individual pharmacy or pharmacy brand needs to needs to answer on their own. But uh, probably some, whether there's you have an app and you have a mobile optimized site or one or the other, um, we're still going through that journey at the moment to work that out. 
Yeah, look, I, th- I think it's it's a, certainly, as you mentioned, a journey that's still to be figured out. Um, and you mentioned, obviously, this is all going multi-channel, so we're looking at physical and digital. But at the same time, we're going to have those customers omni-channel, so they may actually go in and out of both systems um, in, in the case of one particular sale. Um, so <laughs> it's going to be a challenge, certainly, to be able to uh, recognize customers' activity in the digital and mobile spaces, uh, but also being able to then marry that up with a with a store entrance or activity. And I know that we spoke about earlier this year about the potential of iBeacons in being able to recognize customers and provide tailored, personalized advice. But I guess looking long term, is that kind of the types of things you're looking at? Yeah, well, I think I mentioned earlier about personalized you know, shopping experiences online, but I think iBeacons are a good example of um, being able to start to provide a more personalised uh, shopping experience in store that doesn't require staff interaction. So, you know, recognising when you walk into the store and maybe getting a push notification message that says, welcome to the store or, or you know, happy Friday or, you know, 20% off vitamins today just for you or something along those lines. So yeah. I think I, iBeacons is, a, is an example of, um, I guess, a technology that can help enhance the the shopping experience and, and provide information to stores as well about maybe where people are spending most of their time and which can enhance, you know, the uh, or provide information on the store layout and making changes to the store layout based on how long people are spending in different areas. And um, so, yeah, I guess iBeacons are an interesting one, uh, something that we're, we're interested in in looking at at the moment but uh, nothing more than that yeah no and i guess the challenge there is you know adding another technology is how to, how to actually get the digital platforms to tie in with that because like you say it could be that uh, customers browsing on the uh, on the mobile site and particularly it could be you know very relevant to the in-store staff to be aware that a certain customers already researched these particular products and so forth so that when they enter the pharmacy they've already got a good heads up and uh realistically from a customer's point of view they may by that stage be expecting that people who are when they're on a particular retailer's site that the staff in store are aware of that and that they're able to continue the conversation as opposed to starting a new one yeah and i think i think probably the most important thing is that um it's it's down to the pharmacy to well to either embrace technology or uh, to not embrace it, and you know those that embrace it will will see the benefits, and um, you know I, I suspect the other ones will be will be left behind, and because um, that's the way the the market is going, that's the way the customers are, are moving. It, you know, as you say, with 85 percent of people having smartphones, that's that's going to become the norm that people expect. So uh, that the technology is being used to enhance their experience. So um, really, I think the first the first step for any pharmacy is to um, I guess e- educate themselves on on some of the different technologies and the benefits they offer, and um, I guess uh, look at them in a positive light as opposed to uh, um, a negative light. 
Yeah, look, absolutely. And I think as uh, as it came out from a recent interview I did with Mark Lehman from SAS, so all businesses are now becoming technology companies that just happen to sell something else. Um, and it's an interesting paradigm shift that you have once you actually embrace that fact as opposed to thinking, no, no, what we've done in the past can still be done now. And I, I, in, in, in all terms and sense, I think all processes do remain the same, but the technology just has that capability of bringing these interactions closer and closer together and providing a much better service, blending it all in together, which ultimately is, I guess, what we're all trying to achieve. Yeah, exactly. And and I think it's it's um, maybe not necessarily technology replacing, you know, the, the human interaction between customer and, and the, uh, the pharmacy owner or pharmacy assistants, but um, I guess technology helping to enhance that uh, interaction. So um, it's certainly not... You know, I don't think we'll ever get to a stage where you walk into a, a pharmacy and it's just full of robots and technology and there's no staff to help you out. I don't think I think that would be a big concern if we ever got to that stage. Uh, look, absolutely. And look, we already have robots in pharmacy now, but where we're seeing these robots used really cleverly and well is where they're actually taking away the manual logistics away from the pharmacist and pharmacy owner and their staff so that those team members can actually spend more time with their patients and actually add more value and personalise that experience manually. Uh, obviously, in a digital environment, there's a good challenge there, but physically being able to actually invest that extra minute or so with each patient to really find out the key issues so that they can recommend better solutions rather than just simply taking that cookie cutter approach that's only applicable to you know 10 or 15 seconds interactions which is what the average of most pharmacies time that they do have with each patient is until they change their workflows yeah no i think that's a very good call it's um yeah there's certain certain um i guess processes that technology can can help take over that uh, don't necessarily enhance the shopping experience but um, yeah providing more time to uh, to allow the pharmacy team to provide the quality and value service that uh, that they should be is, is really useful yeah no absolutely and and look i guess um heath in terms of um get, getting the stores involved in it and like obviously going through a central fulfillment model it means that each pharmacy doesn't you know have to wear all the additional uh process change and change management issues in each pharmacy uh but i, I guess what what has changed in store um with the multi-channel movement of um sigma brands and amcal and guardian and um, is it that they're taking up you know more interest in what's going on on the amcal site are they investing time in their own facebook pages what have you seen the the major changes in at store level yeah i think well facebook's a very good example i think we've got um half or more than half of our, our pharmacies now have their own individual facebook page which we um, help them with so we provide some content that they can use uh, each week and support when they have questions um, that, that's certainly a good example where they've embraced uh, a form of technology and they've seen benefit where they've been able to put up uh, details of special offers or different uh, in-store events that are taking place. Um, and certainly the, the, the feedback we're, we're getting is really positive and that uh, they, they see a lot of benefit from, from Facebook. Um, probably one of the, the one of the big journeys we're going on at the moment is is around education and uh, education of the benefits of uh, having a multi-channel strategy 
and the importance of having two-way communication with your with your customers on a on a more regular basis than just uh, when they're in the store. So it's 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 a, definitely a journey, and it's a journey that uh, we're all going on together at the moment. Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And I think you touch on a really strong issue there of uh, the potential of actually having two-way communications. And it's often what scares pharmacies away from getting into social media because it's like, well, what if someone says something bad about us? And how do we know if they've said something bad about us? So you mentioned there that um, you provide support with questions. So is that where um, you are monitoring the, each Facebook page and providing um, you know immediate feedback to those customers? Or is it a case of notifying the pharmacy that uh, you've got a question there you better go and attend to it no for the individual pages we we tend to let the pharmacies uh respond uh to their own questions so we if we don't have the team internally to to monitor you know however many there's a couple of hundred pages out there uh what we do is we help to i guess frame frame the types of answers that uh, would be appropriate and um provide you know, even just setting up a page in the first place you know providing support on how to do that or if there's a change that they want to make to their page you know we provide support in that in that respect um but no we we, we give the pharmacies the autonomy to uh, respond to customer queries and, and questions and posts themselves and I, I think you know it's really important to note that um, yeah, there might be negative feedback that the pharmacies receive, but it's much, much better to know about that feedback and be able to respond than to um, have no visibility of it and, and no way to, uh, to feedback and improve. Well, that, that's exactly right. And, you know, you do have customers that uh, do feel more confident and, um, you know, feel more accessible to provide feedback in that environment. And look, even if it is negative, often, you know, the negatives are the, the very passionate fans that you may have. And if you can provide an educational and also a structured answer that answers their problems, then you may turn them into a raving fan, which is what I guess every business wants to have right now and that they're able to go and advocate for you very strongly having already shown you that they're capable of doing that on your own site so i get i guess it, the challenge is both goes both ways and you can't uh, control it um you know it very much is a very customer centric or as we say on this show a very patient centric society at the moment and i guess the sooner pharmacies change their minds about it being what they control as opposed to letting the customer control um it gives a, a far, far better experience for them i think yeah, I think it, yeah, it it's definitely not something you can control, but it's something that uh, is better to be in and to be aware of, and um, to I guess provide that voice to the customer or to to the patient, um, as opposed to you know, they might they might uh, have negative feedback that they tell all their friends about rather than telling telling the pharmacy. So um, no, you you you're more likely to get a raving fan who starts out negative that you can turn positive uh, and word of mouth is so strong and so powerful um, as a marketing method so um, yeah social media is, is one great way to, to help harness that word of mouth 
Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And you mentioned earlier about the personalised shopping experience online. So is that where a case that you mentioned earlier that it was very important for you to integrate with a loyalty platform where you're able to take the purchasing habits of customers and, uh, I guess, manipulate and represent a personalised view of the Amcal or Guardian uh, e-commerce pages back to them? Yeah, there's there's an element of that. So if we if we know, for example, that someone has been to the mother and baby area of the website five times, well, maybe the sixth time they come to the site, the you know the the, the homepage of the site should show a, a mother and baby offer or a mother and baby product range. Uh, that's not something we currently do. Something that we're certainly heading towards. Um, but the, and that's not just Sigma, but the industry in general is heading towards the online shopping experience being much more personalised based on all the data that we have uh, on customers and um, and the visitor behaviour on, on the site. Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And you're also looking at integrating, I guess, with the different prescription management and ordering apps, be it Health Notes or MedAdvisor or ERX Express as well? Um, Yes, well, I guess that that's definitely something on the radar as well. We want we want to be able to provide, as I, as I mentioned earlier, not just products for sale, but also health advice and health support. Um, so whether that's you know in in partnership with with one of the the companies you mentioned or uh, something that is built ourselves uh, or a hybrid of, of the two, that's uh, up for debate. But certainly that that's an area that uh, is going to be of growing importance over the next 12 to 18 months. Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And I guess, I guess as, as most as most of our listeners are going to be thinking, well, you know, we've, I guess we've got a good appreciation of where products and things can go. But I guess as we've seen, and, um, you know, again, Kenmart's another one that I've noticed that do this reasonably well um, in that they've got their health services well represented on their front pages and you can book appointments uh, in. I think Terry White do that as well. Is, is that something that you see is, I guess, quite important and, I guess it also then covers off with the fact that pharmacy owners and pharmacy teams need to be aware of those appointments and maintain their schedules as well. Yeah, I think, that, and that's just another good example of, of having a, a multi-channel strategy where online is assisting the uh, the pharmacy with, with um, an experience. So health bookings, health advice, um, being able to integrate online bookings with the uh, different in-store systems uh, is going to become, well, as you see, a couple of uh, competitors that you mentioned are doing it already. That's something that uh, is is also going to be of growing importance and something that is going to be a focus for us over the, the, the near future. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I guess for an independent pharmacy owner, we do have quite a number of listen to this show as well. I guess as we've covered off earlier, you know, taking the jump into e-commerce is is a big one, um, and you know there may be other you know third party advisors and and providers that can help help them do that as well. But I, I guess you know moving forward into that sustainable twenty first century model, um, where do you think their first movements are now i know we spoke about you know mobile and the proliferation of that and uh you know at least you know as we did a few weeks ago talk about contact details and getting you know directions very findable for patients as well but i guess where do you see their first step in making this transition assuming that they're looking to create that sustainable model moving forward 
So first step in terms of getting online or first step in terms of... Um... Well, I guess really they may already have a website that has basic information, but they're now looking at trying to, I guess, best represent themselves online so that they can get into that multi-channel experience. Yeah, sure. So I think, well, a good example would be uh, that health services booking uh, agent. So maybe, maybe e-commerce is... E-commerce is maybe step three, but uh, the next step, if you wanted to take the website from being just an informational site to uh, a site that connects online and in-store and provides additional value to the visitor would be um, to start providing uh, the ability to book health services online, which is a simpler thing to do um, than setting up a a full e-commerce suite. And, and also, I guess there's, there's no reason you couldn't um, set up a website to, I guess, allow you to reserve product, potentially, um, as opposed to buy it online, um, almost like a almost like a lay-by type situation. But yeah. um, it, I, I would say the health booking side of things is probably a good way to, uh, to take the next step. Um, pro- probably the, the other thing I'd mention is it's all good to have a website, but you've got to get people to come to the website. So making it clear in store that you've got a website and what the address is, um, you know, maybe maybe looking at investing a little bit of money in some uh, Google advertising to uh, drive people to the site when they search for, for example, Baronia Pharmacy, uh, which is where I live. Um, so I think it's, it's all good to have a website, but um, it's the whole situation of you can... You can you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink necessarily. You've got to you've got to uh, you've got to tell people you've got a website as well. Oh, look, absolutely, and and a website being that digital environment, much like your store environment, needs to be treated as such. You know, we spoke a few weeks ago about the fact that you'd never leave your gondola ends the same way for six months or a year. You wouldn't leave the same posters in your window for a year or more, um, or the same content on there. Um, you would always change it, you know, whether that be seasonally or for different health purposes. So, a website or a digital environment needs to be treated the same way, and that you need to commit the time and the process and I think that's something you touched on earlier Heath was the fact that pharmacies do need to realise you need to invest some time in that whether you go down the e-commerce pathway or not uh, the digital environment is you know mandatory for 21st century pharmacies and you need to be thinking about how you're going to manage the uh, processes ongoing in the business. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's some, there's some really good tools and free tools as well. Eh? Google Analytics is one one example that gives you a good insight into, for example, how many people are visiting your site each week, how often people keep coming back. So if, you, if you're seeing that people, the majority of, of your visitors are coming each, each week to the site, then really um, you should be updating the site at least on a weekly basis so that the content remains fresh every time they visit. So um, there's some, some great free tools out there that uh, allow you to get a good insight. And, that, and that's the beauty of online is that uh, everything's measurable and everything's trackable. So um, it allows you to, to see what's working and what's not working and make changes appropriately. Absolutely. No, fantastic. Um, and, and Heath, um, as I always like asking uh, my guests, uh, what do you see, I guess, on the horizon the biggest game-changing technology that could be coming. And if we throw away time and resources as no barrier, uh, what would you love to see us uh, roll out into pharmacies and probably even businesses today? Yeah, well, there's um, 
so th- there was a couple of examples of this in Japan. So obviously Japan is a place where technology uh, tends to tends to be born from. And and one thing that I'm really excited about, it's probably not in the near future, but maybe in the long term, is uh, virtual shopping walls. So suddenly, uh, so this is where you might walk up to a wall and it's almost like a big screen that you can um, shop from. Almost like a uh, like an ATM, but for all the products in the range, um, which then means that the pharmacy doesn't necessarily need to be open to for, but uh, people can still buy products at any time of day. And um, I don't know, it, it's been utilised a couple of in a couple of different places, and even in Japan uh, at uh, bus stations and train stations where people can waiting for their train can um, do their shopping. And it's just a completely wacky technology, but you know, potentially in ten years we might be uh, we might be all buying stuff off the wall. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. And I think and you may have seen this uh, video yourself, but um, Home Plus, being the uh, sister, one of the sister companies of Tesco, um, had trouble getting enough uh, physical sites in uh, in Korea. And uh, the only way they could grow was to use the real estate in the train stations as, uh, you know, painted QR code walls. And uh, people were ordering their groceries on the platform and coming up to their apartments and having it delivered at the same time, which I think is uh, amazing. And I I think even um, Woolies may have even tried a similar concept at uh, Flinders Street Station, but certainly nothing dynamic was on those walls. They were just wallpapered QR codes. And I think as we're probably saying QR codes I think everyone has pretty mixed feelings about them at the moment yeah I think QR codes are kind of what Bluetooth you know Bluetooth marketing about seven or eight years ago was meant to be the next big thing but never really took off and yeah I think QR codes are the the next thing that uh, was meant to be the you know the silver bullet the next big technology um, breakthrough but yeah it's kind of I, I don't see it getting much um, more cut through than what it is at the moment. So yeah. It's probably going to go the way of the Bluetooth marketing. Yeah, absolutely. And the, as, as it is with technology, there will always be something new that will come up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, so, hey, thank you so much for sharing, I guess, the journey that Sigma have been on. And I guess that journey's really only just starting. And uh, we look forward to following that and uh, having you back on the show in the not too distant future. Yeah, no worries. Thank you very much for having me. Good chat. Great. Thanks, Heath. Well, the digital revolution has certainly started and it's a case of whether you want to be on the front carriage or one of the back carriages trying to play catch up. And it's certainly an opportunity for all pharmacies of every size and measure to take advantage. It may not be that you're starting with e-commerce straight away, but there are certainly some fantastic opportunities available. My three key learnings, well, number one was you need to aim to create a personalized shopping experience, but create a realistic one, one that you can deliver on and one that you won't disappoint your customers by over-promising. You can always start off with a minimum viable website and can create certain aspects of your pharmacy in the digital space without trying to do everything. But starting points can include just even taking up ERX Express, MedAdvisor, or Health Notes. All of those ones make it easy for customers to order and manage their prescriptions, which is a great add-on and certainly a great way of personalizing your service using the technology. But your website and e-commerce planning should include features like 
live chat, for example, and you may see those when you go on to retailers' sites and someone asks you, would you like some help today? And that's a fantastic thing that I think that if you're looking at measuring up how a physical interaction may exist in also a digital space, if you had a customer walk into your digital pharmacy, you'd want to talk to them and say, how can I help you? Same thing may apply in the pharmacy. You wouldn't ignore someone who just sits on your site. So these types of things are very easy and also very very cost effective to actually implement and they're not as scary as you may think. But more advanced features could include in-store pickup, health services, bookings and information. All of these types of things, you can start to look at how you can improve your customer experience, but more so personalizing it. Number two is ignore mobile at your peril. You cannot avoid it. With the current use of over 80, 85% of smartphones across Australia, and of course we're a, we're a country that know that we adopt technology very quickly and very early, it'll only grow is in, in importance. So as discussed, we will be found on mobile, no doubt. And at the moment, our customers might just be happy to browse and research what we what they're doing by getting on our sites. But due to an increasing omni-channel, now what does that mean? It basically means that a customer in one interaction with you may meet you on social platforms, digital platforms like your website or e-commerce, and also in-store all at the same time, and you need to be aware of what they've done in each channel in order to continue the conversation. There's nothing worse than making the assumption that someone knows something about you when you've come into the pharmacy, and it might be that you come in at nine o'clock on a Sunday night, talk to a part-time pharmacist or pharmacy assistant, and they don't pass the message on to someone Monday morning, and they've got to restart that conversation. You think about it the same way, but just in all the different channels. So their demands are going to increase, no doubt. And we're seeing that in other industries, pizza, banking, travel, the, the news goes on. But opportunities in the future may include things like iBeacons, which we spoke about on this show earlier this year, NFC, mobile payments, Apple Pay is coming next year, it's going to be a revolution, PayPal, for example, and also mobile apps. And as Heath touched on right at the end, virtual stop shopping walls where literally you could have an ATM style for everything that you have in the pharmacy. So realistically, when you start to look at these environments, what sets us apart? And it's going to be those personalized shopping interactions and the advice that we're able to provide. So we need to start considering what we're doing there. And as we discussed in previous shows, getting a mobile responsive site that at least enables your customers to meet their basic needs of wanting to know when you're open, what your hours are, obviously where you are, your phone number, and making it easy for them will really get them in the right mindset to make sure that they're not frustrated by you in that start. But also number three, and again, there's some big learnings today, is where to start your e-commerce journey. As we discussed, it's probably something that's a little far beyond most pharmacies at the moment, but we need to be considering what we're going to do. But if you're wanting to have a crack and you want to look at something that's very cost effective, I won't say cheap because people may consider 20, $14 or $29 a month not that cheap, but there are, there are solutions like Shopify, for example, which are basically off-the-shelf e-commerce solutions that you can put retail items in there straight away 
I use it myself. If you go to robertstar.com forward slash shop, you can have a look at my shop. There's not much in it. There's a book and maybe a couple of variants around that in there, but it's enough to you to get a feel as to how that, how that works. And you can embed products on your information sites as I've done, and you can see that at robertstar.com just to get a feel for it, and that might be something to dip your toes in. The second one is a Facebook page. We spoke about Facebook in a lot of episodes on, on this show, but half of Amcal and Guardian stores have already started, and it's really important that we're engaging and conversing in whatever channel our customers want to find us. We can't just restrict ourselves to physical. The, do, the world isn't just physical, it's everything today. It's digital, social, all of that, and we need to be in those spaces. And they're spending a whole lot of time on there. Some great studies, and not just the young ones, of how much time people are spending on Facebook. So why wouldn't you want to be there? And don't forget your helpful content, by the way. And the third one is health services and online bookings. So make sure that you can integrate at least basic basic things in there. I'll be mentioning a few tools in the coming episodes, but if you want to know earlier, please let me know uh, of how you can actually do appointment bookings on your website. And lastly, use the free tools like Google Analytics to test and measure your traffic and customer engagement. It's great, you know, we don't even have to pay for a customer counter or 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 anything that actually tells us where people are going on our website. Whereas in the physical environment, we need customer counters, we need eye beacons to do all of that. But on a website, it's so much easier. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Transformation. Don't forget, we've got some great interviews coming up. I've got Fabian McCann from Senderscripts to discuss all things mobile. It's a sensational chat about pharmacy, apps, ordering, retail offers, you name it. And also, we're going to talk to the number one in the cloud accounting space as I talk to Amanda Fisher from Connected Accountants about Zero, And we've also got Ian Bennett from Pharmacy for You to talk about how easily you can set up a multi-channel offer in your pharmacy and also a great e-commerce commerce solution that helps to meet all the workflow challenges that you may have had with that previously. So don't forget, leave a comment in the show notes. There's always space at the bottom for you. I read and respond to each one and my guests like Heath today are happy to respond to your questions individually and you'll take home a sensational surprise prize as well. Have a great week everyone and I look forward to speaking to you again next week. Bye for now.